morning and welcome to Driving Theology. My name is Mike and I will be sharing some kind of a stream of consciousness with you this morning uh, as I drive to work, uh, possibly on topics vaguely theological uh, or uh, hopefully some kind of logical. <laughs> uh, I, I've been doing this for, I guess, since the end of 2015, uh, sometime around October 2015. This is something like my 63rd podcast. Uh, actually, my I guess my 50, maybe 57th podcast. Uh, but I've also uh, been doing a few team casts. So all in all, uh, podcasts. Stacked up to equal somewhere around 62, 63, something like that. Uh, and if you don't know the format, here's the, here it is in a nutshell. I uh, uh, just kind of work through uh, a topic or certain topics and kind of see where they lead. I don't really have a plan. Usually, sometimes I might have a some kind of an idea of what I want to talk about, uh, just like today don't have much uh, on the way uh, planned, much of what I want to talk about, I don't have that planned. Uh, but something interesting I'm doing today, I'm trying to run my car out of gas, and I'm, I'm, it's probably going to happen in this podcast, I've got a gas can in the back of my car, but I wanted to see just how far I can get, uh, and exactly what kind of gas mileage I'm getting, because this is a new car, and so far it seems to be guzzling a little more gas than I'd like, but kind of doing an experiment uh, while this is going on, so hopefully it won't affect you guys too much. Um, you know, you might get a kick out of it, but that's part of doing something like this and driving at the same time, uh, I suppose. But not that there's really a precedent out there that I know of. So yeah, uh, if you guys have been following it all, you know I'm kind of in a new, a new old car, new to me, but it's a an, an older uh, Toyota that I've recently transferred to, and trying to keep the uh, noise down a bit. It's a, it's a little bit more of a Hummer, and I don't mean uh, I don't mean that in the in the upper upper case H uh, way, but as far as the tires are fairly large and they tend to hum a little bit on the pavement. Um, you'll hear that noise in the background. And some background noise through my speaker, so I just turned that down. Uh, so what's going on with you guys in the world? Uh, for me, I, I feel like I've been kind of in a spiritual dry spell the last weeks, I'd say for sure, but maybe a little bit longer. You kind of slip in and slip out. It's not like you, it's not like the uh, wall analogy where you hit the wall kind of thing. You, you kind of slowly put your hands out in front of you and as you feel along, you realize, yeah, there's a wall there, but it takes a while to realize what the walls are. I think I, for me, I kind of slip in and slip out. Uh, and so what that means for me spiritually usually is that I don't have any specific directive uh, 
from the Holy Spirit about what I need to be doing specifically. Um, it, you know, I've been on this journey of trying to to be church all the time. Church is not even the, the best word, I guess, but uh, maybe function. Uh, yeah, I suppose the, the best analogy is the body analogy, where we are all parts of the body. Jesus is the head, and so I've been trying to function uh, as a part of the body that is obeying the, the leadership of the head or the directives of the head or whatever whatever have you. So uh, in that process, I have been trying to extricate religion from my practices, and, and that's happened. Um, and then from my mind, which takes a little bit longer, obviously that's, that's something that doesn't just happen automatically. It's, it's hard sometimes not to feel religious. Uh, and my, the way I define religion is uh, the man-made application of scripture informing a system uh, of beliefs and practices that tend to lean toward a shame culture. A culture that says, you're not good enough, you sin, try harder, you know, do better. Um, and so I'm trying to get that system out of my head. It's easier to get it out of your practices than it is to, to get it out of your head, um, for sure. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, uh, along with uh, a couple other friends of mine, and we're all in different uh, different parts of that spectrum, I would say. We've all had different levels of uh, success in achieving that goal, those goals. Um, by the way, I'm on a road right now. I don't usually go on. I need to drop something off. I need to do an errand, so I'm going to... Right now, I'm trying to remember where it was, so uh, extricating myself in my mind, my heart, from uh, the religious religious shackles that I've grown up with. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I am at the moment.
replicate a behavior, which I do from time to time, several I'm sure, uh, which are away from the, the heart of Christ or the mind of Christ that don't reflect truthfully who Christ is and where you don't truthful, truthfully reflect the image of God into the world, uh, then religion has, has kind of um, programmed us to feel shame, to feel guilty, right? Uh, and, yeah, that reaction uh, is very difficult to rid yourself of. Uh, and I think I... You know, I, I've struggled with that. That's something that's quite difficult. To reprogram yourself to react in different ways. You know, so... Whereas I, I might have a, a lustful thought. Uh, when that thought presents itself and I'm aware that I'm having that thought. My reaction has been, since I've probably been 11 or 12 years old even younger. My reaction has been, that's bad, I have to try harder to, uh, to do that because those kinds of thoughts will send me to hell. And that's, those are the kind of thoughts I had since I was a child. You know, that, that if I have a lust, lust, lustful thought in my mind, and I were to happen to die, or I had asked for forgiveness for that lustful thought or God forbid die while I'm having that lustful thought I always assumed that it, that, that would send me to hell that that, that was how it all worked out in, in religion even though I think you'd be hard pressed to find a religion that actually talks in those terms today I mean a religion uh, itself right that that was its stated um, manifesto for still find a lot of people that think that way. A lot of people in churches still have those those types of, of very real fears um, that, that, you know, what we think in our minds can, can condemn us to hell, uh, to hellfire. Which makes for a very petty uh, view of, of God, right? Uh, we think he's 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 the guy that sits up on his throne, and as soon as any uh, perceived slight come his way comes his way, he is he is quick to hurl lightning bolts at the perpetrators and punish them. <laughs> uh, and then the other the other flip side of the coin is the other flip side. Or, or, let me rephrase that. Uh, Another, another aspect of shame, or perhaps another way that we, we think that shame may, that we think that we may be punished, is that as every time we sin, we feel like God is going to punish us or those we love for what we did or thought. That we think he's waiting, uh, you know, with a, with a hair trigger, you know, with his finger on the hair trigger waiting to to punish those who uh, even slightly disobey his laws, uh, whether in thought or in deed. And this view really, really makes for a poor, poor view of who God is. 
But this is the view that the Old Testament, by and large, put forth of God. This is the this is the view, or at least this is the view that the people of Israel took, right? Every time something good would happen, they would feel like it was because they had done good. Every time something bad happened to the people of Israel, they assumed it was sin, that God was punishing them for sin. And a lot of the prophets actually backed this these thoughts up, right? Uh, they actually... Um, So, very difficult to reprogram the way you think about your own sin, the way you process your uh, sinful behavior. But I, I feel like it's so important to do so. So just to re reiterate, my, my stock reaction still is often, I've sinned. I have to try harder. If I don't, I'm going to bring eternal punishment on myself or temporal punishment on those around me. Uh, that's the standard way that shame works for me. I don't know how it works for everybody. Uh, and I still, I still wonder when, when I'm in a, in a shame state of mind, I still look back on things I've done in the past. I mean, years and years ago things I've done in the past and wonder if what's happening to me uh, isn't a result uh, of those sins I committed long ago and God is still punishing me for that. Uh, it's really difficult to get rid of that, those thoughts. And I think Paul talks about taking each captive thought. Those are the thoughts I'd love to take captive when I have those feelings I, and I try, you know, I try and I'm in that process. And the thought I would rather have is, yeah, I messed up. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for not holding that against me. Uh, and for, um, see, one of the thoughts almost entered my mind just now as I was thinking, I almost said, and, and for taking the punishment for me. But I don't even believe that Jesus was punished by God for our sins, but that he uh, drug sin down for us. He tackled sin for us, in other words, on the cross. Uh, so I, I almost had that thought that he took our punishment, right? And in a sense, that's true because uh, sin contains its own natural punishment, right? Sin consequences of sin are punishment in a sense, but they're not meted out by a wrathful God, I believe, now, right? So the, the, the thought, I guess this is good, the, the thought I would rather have, or the, the reaction I'd rather have to my sinful thoughts or deeds is wow, I'm so thankful that Jesus does not count that against me, that he has taken care of that, that he has defeated sin and death, and that I am, am his beloved child, and he loves me, uh, and always wants the best for me, and always thinks the best of me. Not because of what I do, 
but because of what Jesus has done. That's how I want to feel. I want to get rid of that, those thoughts of shame because the kind of love that, that comes from those thoughts, right? The kind of love that God would have to be a being that reacts that way to our sin is so far beyond our experience uh, that that kind of love does speak of an all-loving God. Right? Because that God is completely not human. Not human in the way that we are fallen humans, at least. Now the new creation, we call ourselves a new creation in Christ, and yet the way that we are a new creation is that we are restored back to the original, uh, the original design of what God made humans to be. But new creation is actually a new restoration. We are, uh, we are restored. Our sins are forgiven. Uh, our uh, relationship with, with God uh, is made whole again. That relationship was never taken away by God. We walked away from Him. He never walked away from us. And he never walks away from us today. The only way some kind of hell, if it exists at all, will happen is if we, using the right to choose that God has given us, given all mankind, if we choose to thumb our noses at his love, That's the only way uh, that any kind of hell might exist. Now, what the nature of hell is, I don't know. No idea. Is it just outer darkness? Is it completely aloneness? Uh, I don't know. If hell exists, that's what it would be, isolation from God, willful isolation from God on the part of mankind. So anyway, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to get better at taking those cap, those thoughts captive because uh, uh, that system of shame and guilt uh, is deeply embedded into me. And I think that's the, the reason it's so easy. The reason it's so easy for us to give into that system and to have such a hard time adapting grace, I think, is that that's the that's the new human nature of fallen man. Sin and shame is is just how we roll. That's how we operate, and we've operated since Adam and Eve. It's, it's become uh, part of our, our spiritual DNA. You know, it's, it's deeply into us. And, and, to, and to be able to replace that, whatever, that one strand or that one chromosome or, chromosome or whatever you want to call it, 
be able to to replace that with a better one uh, is no easy task. You know, it's it's not easy to change your DNA. What do you think? What, what thoughts do you have when you, uh, when you are faced with um, the fact that you don't measure up to the stature of Christ? Think about that. Well, I sipped my coffee that I didn't spill today. <laughs> are there people in your life who are making it difficult to walk away from the system of shame and guilt. Maybe there's people in your family, people at, at your job, uh, but most likely there are people at your church, and your church in general. And a lot of, a lot of that system is not stated, but perceived. Um, what we hear from pulpits time and time again is better, we can do better, we can do more, right? Not coming to church, you can do better, come to church more. Uh, have you not been tithing? You can, you can fix that, you can just give more. We don't have enough people to teach the classes or to take care of the building and grounds? Well, you guys will just have to do more, you'll have to dig down deep do more, do better. And nobody will say to earn, you need to do that. Well, some people actually do. Uh, the prosperity gospel is, is one of them. And it's pretty widespread. I don't know how far and wide prosperity gospel goes. I might talk about that in just a second. But uh, from the pulpit, it is very often implied you are not good enough to earn God's favor for yourself and for our congregation. You need to do better and you need to do more. Right? That's, that's quite a common feeling that we get. And I can remember uh, when I was attending church that that, that feeling, even though I never, I, I seldom, I guess, I seldom perceived it. I was sometimes the person that was saying it or at least thinking it. Right? We can do better. We can do more. You need, you need more faith. Your faith is not strong enough. And even though I never said we need that to, to earn the favor of God, that's still probably what I was thinking. You know, this, this system goes deep and far, you know, uh, because I think it is human nature. It is fallen human nature to, to feel comfortable living in a world of shame and guilt. Uh, so, prosperity gospel. What is the driving force behind the prosperity gospel? Obviously, it's money, right? Now, I've never heard of prosperity gospel talk coming out of house church or organic church or, or simple church. 
simply because of the fact that most of those churches avoid any overhead, right? They don't have preacher salaries, insurance, uh, payments, loan payments, uh, maintenance on buildings. Uh, they don't need to spend money for uh, missions necessarily. They don't need to do a lot of things, right? They don't have financial commitments collectively. Now, of course, people, individual people, uh, have financial commitments. We have to pay our bills. But on top of that, usually we're told, but we also have to pay the bills of the church, right? the local church that we attend. And, and so number one, needs, right? Financial needs necessitate the collection of money. Right? If we're gonna have a preacher, we gotta pay for him. We gotta pay for a salary. Salaries, you know, we're not gonna pick it off a tree, therefore everybody needs to chip in and do your part. Right? And so uh, people have uh, adapt, uh, adopted the practice of tithing, which is to give 10% of your income. Um, and that's something that some people do. Some people give more, some people give less. Uh, but this, this system of having expenses necessitates the collection of money. And if we can't collect the money, we can't pay our preacher. The preacher can't eat, can't take care of his family, and we can't take care of the building or pay for the building that we have. So if we're gonna be in that system of salaries and property, then we have to collect money. And how do you collect that money? How do you get people to give more, right? Uh, well, the easiest way is guilt. That's the easiest way. If we don't have enough, it's your responsibility. You can do better. Do better. Try harder. Give more. And sometimes we need more than, than our people can comfortably give, right? And so how do we do that? Well, we, we let them know that God is taking care of them on the back end. In other words, that if, if we give sacrificially more than we can afford today, God will bless us uh, abundantly in the future for that. That God will bless you for giving sacrificially. If you will just give more than you're able, just like the, the, the woman gave her two bits, gave all she had. She gave more than everyone else because she gave all she had, right? Jesus said this in a parable. Uh, they use that to encourage people to give more because uh, without money, institutional church doesn't happen. Can't happen, doesn't happen, won't happen. Okay? Uh, therefore, Prosperity Gospel is just a great marketing tool. It's a great way to get keep the money rolling in. Right? And if, uh, God forbid, our, our people should fall on hard times because they're giving sacrificially, well, there's always a welfare system that uh, you know our taxes go into. They can, they can get welfare. But the church, you know, the show must go on. The church must have its money uh, and its pound of flesh. Um, and so that system has, has created. That's just another way that we can feel shameful. Not only can I not do the right thing. Not only can I not think pure thoughts all the time, 
but I also have to give more money. You know, that's another another way that we can be shamed into into performing uh, the satisfaction of the machine that is religion. So this system is just everywhere, and, it, it, and to make things worse, it's not just in religion; it's it's in human nature. And so, if you want to take your captive's thought and to have better reactions to the negative things that happen in your life, whether you do them or they are done to you, then it's going to take it's going to take some some work. You know, it's going to take some some consistency, and most of all, it's going to take the Holy Spirit. You know, allow Him and ask Him to come into your life and to to captivate your thoughts uh, and I'd like to pray for that for you so if you'll just send in money I will be glad to <laughs> see what I did there uh, no um, yeah I don't I don't need money for this podcast uh, and if I did I'd stop it uh, I do spend a little money on the podcast you know to host it um, but but this podcast I do as much for me as anyone else. It really helps me to think through things. And, and I'm coming close to my destination today. Man, I still haven't run out of gas. My gosh, how much is in this reserve tank? Seriously, I believe I have almost gone 100 kilometers on this reserve tank. I'm up to 501 kilometers, uh, which is... 300 miles on this tank. Uh, that's wow, that's way better than I expected. I'm just gonna keep going, see how far it goes. I'm running ahead of schedule, so if I do run out of gas, I can stop, throw in uh, these five liters I have in the back, and it should be good for a while until I can get to a gas station. But man, this is awesome. I'm liking this. 501. I'm not always going to get this kind of gas mileage because uh, I a lot of this was on the highway. Right? So I think I'm still getting over 400. Huh. I really thought I would have run out by now. Thank you, Toyota. My wife doesn't approve of me trying to run this thing till it runs out of gas. She thinks I'll be in the middle of an intersection or something. Or maybe railroad tracks, which I just went over. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm safe. Um, yeah, so take your captive thought. Take your captive thought. Take your thoughts <laughs> captive. Uh, uh, work on that if you can. Um, and I will too. But you know, even if you can't, even if you're feeling, this is, this is the awesome thing, right? Even if you're still feeling the sting of sin and shame in your life, Jesus is not going to hold that against you. He no longer holds your sins against you. Now you may sin and you may feel the natural consequences of sin, but the eternal consequences are taken care of, right? 
Uh, if I go out and, and rob a store, I, I may get arrested and imprisoned or, or, or who knows, even killed. You know, stealing is, is still a sin. Fact remains that God's love is, is is such an amazing thing that that He is taking care of that on the other end for me. You know, He is He is uh, faithful, faithful to the end and beyond. When He says He does not count our sins against us, He means it. wrath of God is talked about in scripture, I now believe and, and have been helped to believe by certain authors and speakers. Uh, the wrath of God refers to a misrepresentation of the origins of the consequences of sin. Uh, they have been, God has been blamed for punishing sin. But actually, the system of sin that we uh, that we decided to embrace from the beginning, the system of sin and shame, uh, is what is happening when we see the wrath of God talked about in Scripture. The wrath of God is a name for the consequences of sin. It's actually not the wrath of God. It's actually the consequences of sin. Right? Now, I know a lot of people have problems with that. Uh, and who knows, maybe one day I will refine my thinking on that yet again. Uh, but right now, that, that explanation seems to portray the true character of God, our Father, better than any portrayal that I've yet come across. Okay? Um... I'm going to leave it right there. Uh, this has uh, been long enough. I think I've run out of stuff to say. And and uh, my prayer for you today is that uh, the Spirit will aid you and uh, guide you in choosing a reaction that better reflects just who our God is. 